0: You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and the SoundCloud today. Manning loves it.
0: Welcome to Season 2 of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the show. Be sure to download and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow the show on Twitter. So, uh, Cranky Fan, this bright, cheery day marks the very beginning of the 2018 offseason, huh?
1: Thank Christ, because... I was not a happy person last night. You know, I'm sure you felt the same way that I did, that that Super Bowl was a no-win situation as a Giant fan and as a New Yorker, and, you know, you having to deal with two hideous fan bases that you can't stand, and, you know, I I made the gut call after soul-searching that I was not rooting for New England, I was rooting against Philly. Uh, my logic and my rationale was I kind of liked I kind of like Philly being the losers. I kinda like the fact that we were the only team that beat this patriot team in a Super Bowl. I kind of like the fact that the, you know, the Eagles had no Super Bowls and hadn't won a championship since nineteen sixty one in spite of what all the you know a lot of these things like c n n and you know showing the riots and stuff saying. Eagles celebrate first NFL championship. That's not true. It's in the Super Bowl, but still, I kind of like the fact that you know they had that same thing that the the Cubs fan had and the Red Sox fan has. They're, they're just losers and they're never going to win. So you know, mix all that in your gumbo pot, and I was begrudgingly rooting for New England, I guess. So when that game was over and just seeing exactly what I expected, you know the the wretched hive of scum and villainy that we see that lives, you know, 90 miles to the south of us. Seeing them, you know, you know, basically rioting, just kind of confirmed my belief that that's a, a fan base that I truly hate, and I'm not happy today.
0: Yeah, if you saw if you saw sunrise on the horizon, what you actually saw was Philadelphia on fire. <laughs> and you know what? Here, here's my motto going into the 2018 season: is if the Giants win the Super Bowl this year. Let's burn Philly again. Let's just go there. And yeah.
1: <laughs> Fine with me, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. I know. I'm right there with you. Uh. Fuck Philadelphia. I. I don't. You know. I. I understand the. Uh, the New York Boston thing for most other sports. For football, you know, not being a Jet fan makes it a little less. You know. I. I don't know. Contentious. Especially since, you know, around my area, the Patriot fans around here are not really obnoxious, uh, you know, and I I know how it is in Boston, so I I know what it's like. So for but but it's a complete flip side for the Philly. I mean, you and I have been to those games. The Philly fans are just, it's just rude. Like it's it's not fun anymore. It's not competitive. We're not bros rooting for our teams anymore. It's like. You're hearing death threats in the crowd. Like,
1: yeah, forget you basically, guys. Basically, what you saw was something that was pre-planned. I mean, when you see celebrations in the streets, they're supposed to be kind of spontaneous things. You're just so happy and you're celebrating. This was something that the average punk and thug that lives down there was planning. Like, yeah, we're going to overturn cars. We're going to climb up on poles. We're going to, you know, we're going to be the pricks everybody thinks that we are.
0: Looting gas stations. Yeah. I mean literally looting. It's this is sort of a side story, but I have accidentally stumbled into Montreal right after the Montreal Canadiens won the championship game to go to the Stanley Cup and it was pandemonium. But what I saw there was, you know, drinking on the street, people running around with their shirts off. Not I I, I mean and this is this is Canada hockey. So I mean there was a couple like garbage cans being thrown, stuff like that. I didn't see cars flipped over, or things on fire, people looting gas stations and just taking free shit.
1: I mean, Yeah. Philly is a dump also, and the
0: people that live there are idiots. Yeah.
1: And the thing about it is the local media and even some aspects of the national media kind of stoked the fire too. Oh yeah, they glorified yeah. it. Oh yeah. Like, if you watch, no one was like, you know, this is, you know, embarrassing our city. It's like, oh, it's a big party. Come on down. And, you know, it's like, You guys are a bunch of animals, and I've said this all along, like you'll see bandwagon fans from Boston, you know, you'll see Red Sox fans and Patriot fans, and you'll see Cub fans all around the country, and they may never step foot in the state of Illinois. You will never, ever, ever see an Eagle fan or a Philly fan or a Flyer fan or even a Sixer fan that has not have some roots either in Pennsylvania or South Jersey. Yeah. Nobody wants to be like these animals. They're disgusting people. Yeah. So,
0: like I said, yeah. Philly's a
1: dump, and the people who live there are scum.
0: Yeah. The quick recap is Philadelphia won 41-33. It was actually a really close game. It didn't start out so well, but you know, at the end there, it sort of became this like arena football shootout where I don't even know how many punts were in the game. One. One whole punt, huh?
1: Yeah. New England had five hundred passing yards. Yeah. No picks. One punt. And no punch, rather, and lost.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. And you know what that's an indictment of? Detroit. Detroit just hired the defensive coordinator that managed to lose a game to a backup quarterback. I know he's Nick Foles, but still. A backup quarterback after his quarterback threw for 505 yards and three touchdowns and no picks.
1: Oh, I thought being the qualification for being a head coach is how many times they show your face on TV. No. I mean, <laughs> I thought that was the map. But, you know, my, my friends were making – Joking around that it was – they went to a party, that Justin Timberlake concert party. I thought it was the Matt Patricia show. Yeah. I mean I, after every play that had positive yards, did it see his what his reaction was? Before every play, let's see what his reaction is before it. Like Jesus Christ. I, I bet you he had more face time than Belichick did. I think he might have.
0: And here's the other thing. Uh, did we ever think that this guy was commanding a great defense? No.
1: I, I mean – I don't really I think, Yeah. I, I, I think we said after week four it was one of the worst defenses of all time statistically.
0: Yeah, it's just terrible and you know the, the Malcolm Butler thing, I don't know how you feel about that.
1: There is a time and place to to prove a point and to teach a lesson. The Super Bowl may not be that time or place, especially in the pros. I can yeah. maybe see the point in college. Yeah. But definitely not in this situation. And so uh, the whole game difference?
0: too. I mean,
1: I mean, yeah. I, I'm gonna say something here.
0: It's, I mean, I don't. We will never know exactly what it was that pissed off Bill Belichick. Um, this may have been, you know, the fifth strike for him. You know, we don't know this stuff. I, I somehow right. doubt that. But, I mean, you're gonna bench him the whole game. Not even one, just one quarter to prove your point, and then.
1: I thought the uh, the announcers did a terrible job. Um... Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, but he had a pretty funny line, uh, Al Michaels, saying that uh, you get more information out of East Germany than you do out of the Patriots, and so we'll we'll never know the exact reason why Butler didn't play, and but... uh how,
0: how are you going to... First of all, I'm hoping that this is the end of Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. These two I, have been my least favorite for a long time, but this season, for some reason, the two of them have just turned into, like, grouchy old men who just complain the whole time, but... Leave it to Al Michaels to pull a reference to the '80s East Germany.
1: You yeah, know, half but, the know, people
0: watching don't even know what they're
1: talking about. <laughs> well, if half the people don't know what East Germany is, that is more of an indictment on society than I, that. I'm but, just saying. But, but remember, though, I mean, most it's, of that's just like a harken back to his prime. Yeah, but again, remember, you know, as much as all these leagues are trying to be young and hip and everything, that the majority of people who watch sports are you know the cranky fans age and and not the grumps age and, and stuff <laughs> it's is true it, you know it's um so I, I I think I thought that was pretty funny but I, I get your point though that no, you know I, I mean for the last sec- the second I, half of the season I'm, Al Michaels has definitely been you know a low ener- lower energy guy than he ever has been and just seems like he's just kind of a little cranky uh, Collinsworth has become the cartoon character that everybody in his Seat ultimately ends up being whether you're John Madden, whether you're uh, John Gruden, whether you're any of these guys, you know, which you is, become a cartoon silly character. Because yourself.
0: he's probably the best at what he does when he's not being a cartoon character.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: I'm, I'm pretty disappointed Tom Brady can't catch. <laughs>
1: well, Giselle said if they had people, Tom can't catch the ball and throw it. So, yeah, yeah, that's and- right. <laughs> Well, Bridget Moynihan thought that uh, Nick Foles had a good game. So that was probably probably the tweet of the night, I thought.
0: Yeah. Good one, man. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Uh, You know, I I guess here's the one thing I I think we really should talk about. It's football related from the Super Bowl. What is your stance on Zach Ertz's touchdown to you? I mean, obviously it counts. And I'm not going to say that the game was lost on a bad call. You know, it's just it's a contentious call game to game every year. We talk about this. In your eyes, did that look like a catch or or, or to a touchdown?
1: A, to me, it's a catch and a touchdown.
0: Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, I to me, he took three steps with the ball after he caught it and then dove to the end zone. To me, he's a runner. That wasn't even, you know, the the Des Bryant like. Right. Didn't catch it thing. Those are all where he's, he's, he puts like one foot down, then he falls. You know, people complain that, like, we don't know what a catch is anymore. Like, it's a complete anomaly. Like, we have a really good idea, and one or two plays a year. There are,
1: there are four basic items to football. The most – when you boil football down, it comes down to four things. Throw, catch, kick, and run. If you can't define what one of those four things are that the average layperson, like if I'm, if you stick me in England and I don't know the first thing about soccer, I know you have to kick the ball with your feet. You can't use your hands. And I can pretty much watch an entire soccer game and figure it out. If you can't tell me at this point what a catch is because either the rules keep changing, they can't, you know, uh, translate what the rules are and every catch in the end zone is a debate. That's a major problem for this league. And a lot of people are going to be turned off by that. Uh, The the two biggest fears the NFL had, I think happened in this game, a play like that where people are scratching their head. Well, what's a catch? What's not a catch. And when what's his name got knocked out and, you know, they didn't want to call it a concussion. They called it a head injury. It's just like, are you kidding me? You know, these are, these are the two biggest factors I think in the league you know forget the, the kneeling that's all bullshit that's that's not why people aren't watching football injuries to the head and injuries to star players and the fact that they're they're making the game too complicated for its simplest core aspects of it are taking a lot of people's interest away from it making these games a lot longer than they need to be analyzing and slicing and dicing every brain like the Subruder film to see if uh, it's a catch or not it it takes the flow and the momentum away from a game and and there it was right in national TV and we have 100 million people watching and uh, something's got to be done about that because people are just going to you know And there's a lot of money involved whether it's for the teams and the players and the advertisers to the gamblers and the bookies too much money out there to be fucking around with what are the basic rules
0: Man, that was that was actually a really eloquent way of approaching that. Most most of the people who complain about the rule and its interpretation are just off the handle, silly ranting, and more often than not, biased towards a certain. Well, yeah, they're pissed off because it's moment. not their team. Yeah, exactly. But, but, so, yeah, so so here's where I'm with you. You know, just make it simple. The, the, it, when it's complicated, it's almost like you know. I understand that you want the call to be right and you want it to be fair, and I'm all for that. That's the purpose of replay is to be
1: right. You know what I mean? But there's two different things. Yes. No, I mean, no, no, no. Being right or wrong versus yes or what is right or what is wrong. Yeah.
0: And, and so here's the thing. To me, that's very clear. He caught the ball. He took three steps. He's a runner. That's it. He's a catch. And what, all, then at that point, all the ball has to do is cross the plane. Doesn't matter what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's that's pretty clear. To nitpick that and to
1: well, how, how about this? Let's 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 do something else. Let's not change rules based on anecdotal situations. If something happens one time in one game, whether it's in August in a preseason game or the Super Bowl, stop changing the rules because well, in this one game, one time, this happened. So let's tweak it this way. Oh, in this game, this one thing happened. Let's tweak it back. I mean, I would think the competition committee is studying years and years' worth of data and how many times this situation happens and the consistency of the call, yes or no. But it seems like lately, you know, the, the rule keeps changing the interpretation keeps changing because, well, this happened in the playoff game. High profile, yes, but anecdotal and not the norm where it's requiring rule changes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know that I have anything else to talk about the Super Bowl. Um...
1: Well, let's talk about... Let's talk for a minute about the Eagles because you okay. know, I, I, this is not uh, just Jets. So I really don't care about the Patriots and what their story is. Let's talk, let's talk about the Eagles for a minute. Go for it. Um, Nick Foles. What do you do with him? Because Carson Wentz is not going to be ready for probably through the preseason, and we all know how basically the the first month of the regular season is all kind of a crapshoot because. You know, you don't have the normal, you know, offseason workouts you used to and, you know, you're not getting any rhythm or flow during preseason games. Um, what do you do with a guy like him? I mean, again, I, I just made a little rant about anecdotal evidence, but at some point, do you look at the three games he was really awful or the three games he was fantastic in the playoffs against better competition? I'll even throw in the fact that he wasn't awful in the giant game when he played in December at the Marlins. look pretty decent in that game too.
0: Um, so he's got an interesting contract situation. He's technically signed through 2021. He has a potential out at the end of next year. So he's due $4 million next year as a base salary, which is three more than he was due this year. But, but then again, that's not crazy backup money that's that's pretty average backup quarterback money. So for me, what I'm going to do with him is oh, but but he does have a 3 million dollar roster bonus. So it's going to bump it up to 7. That's that's a little bit high. But to me, if you look at this Eagles team, they're young and they're pretty secure for the next couple of years. If you think that yeah, it, if it's me, I'm keeping him for that year, you know, Maybe you draft a quarterback in the later rounds to be your backup for Carson Wentz for the future. But to me, you've you've now got a way to win with Nick Foles for enough games to put Carson Wentz in when he's fully healthy. And I, I mean I think that's and then, the best and way then, to do and
1: then, and then you trade him once he's fully – once he's back? I
0: mean if you trade him, you have to keep him on that contract, which bumps him up again to $5.5 million. It's another cap hit of $6 million. I, but we, I, but, but it, you just, but just also, cut his ass. He's got a potential out worked into his deal.
1: Just, right, just let but, him you, go. but the value – I mean right now, may, again, he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, and that will bring back some value in the trade market. So his value in the trade market might be worth more than the $7 million of just keep him on your books as a – as Relative, a relatively cheap backup quarterback contract-wise.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you'd have to test the trade waters and see what, what people are really willing to go with. You know, I know he's, like you said, he he had three spectacular games against the much tougher competition in, in the playoffs, but he still had the three bummer games in the regular season.
1: I, yeah, not... but you know something... You know, remember though, I'm not sure what the trade qu-
0: market's going to be. Is what I'm saying really?
1: Backup backup quarterbacks are never expected to come in and play great right away because they're not being prepped like a starting quarterback is. It takes a couple of weeks, like it takes starting quarterbacks time to go through preseason to be ready for week one. So, I mean, I haven't done the numbers, but I bet you if you looked at, you know, historically, what do backup quarterbacks do in games one through four as opposed to four through eight in the season? Let's put it this way. They both played about the same amount of games, right? Roughly the same. Is yeah. it a lock that you'd rather have Garoppolo over Nick Foles right now?
0: I, given the situation, I'd say yes because they've already invested in him. They've already traded. Yeah.
1: I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying just. But, just, but you
0: know, if, if there was nothing on the line and it was just. You all, all, to things, pick, all
1: things considered equal,
0: you know? Yeah, just picking like dodgeball, who are you picking first?
1: Yeah, I mean, just kind of, you know, what you saw for Garoppolo in. in admittedly kind of garbage time at the end of the season. Granted, mm-hmm. one of those games was against Jacksonville, which was pretty impressive, but well, what I mean, you saw with Nick folds I mean, everybody, everybody was so quick to destroy Foles, you know, it been, you know, at some point the pendulum starts to swing from lucky, lucky, lucky to wait a minute, you know, and, and this is, and I would not make the comparison, which a lot of people are doing that he is the Jeff modern ha- day Jeff Hostetler, Jeff Hostetler, if anybody, you know, obviously if you're listening to this show, either, you know, a, you have a screw loose, and B, you're a giant fan. But you remember that Jeff Hostetler was the prototypical game manager. He did nothing in those, you know, final three games in those playoff games to say oh. that was on him. He won us the game. Nick Foles won the game for Philly yesterday. Yeah, he made ballsy throws on third and fourth down. He, you know, he commanded an offense. And okay, we'll we'll make fun of. Um, Uh, the Patriots defense but still it was impressive he won the game so
0: so okay if all things considered equal yeah you're gonna take Nick Foles not just because of his Super Bowl performance but he's a bona fide starter in the league he's been around a while and he's been successful before I mean he's a guy who's been passed over because he's not a superstar but he is good I mean he 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 was never a guy and I you know we kind of said this when he first went in and the Giants played them late in the season. He was never a guy that was just dreadful. He just, he just, he never really appeared like, like he was in the playoffs this time where he was the winner.
1: So, he was in that kind of like middle, middle 15, of, yeah. Of, of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, there's a definite drop off from like, Twenty-two to thirty-two that are just you know guys that probably shouldn't even be in the league. That probably won't be in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a journeyman quarterback. He's a guy that's gonna, you know, but he I mean, might be in the league in nine, nine years. So now on his fourth team. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah, you take Nick Foles' first experience and you know his overall success, but I mean that's that's not if you're putting pure skill next to each other. I'm not sure that. It's that cl- that it's that easy for me to, for me to make that decision. It might be Garoppolo over him, and I have to see them right. side by side. So, well,
1: that's my whole point. Is I think everybody would have said, you know, th- two weeks ago, three weeks ago, oh, Garoppolo is the second coming of Christ. But when well, uh, wait a minute,
0: <laughs> yeah, but they, you know, they were I, idiots too. I mean, come on,
1: yeah, yeah, um, <laughs>
0: and it's it's got sort of that unknown thing where it's like an organization kind of gets greedy eyes when their their team sucks and they're just like. You know, we could work with this guy and blah 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 blah. So mm-hmm. they they just kinda like leverage in. It's sort of like drafting a guy, but instead you're trading a draft pick. Or whatever they mm-hmm. traded away. I, I I don't really remember.
1: Uh third round draft pick, I think. Yeah.
0: So I mean it kinda comes down to would you draft him in the third round? And you know, that's that's a that's a good move to make despite not knowing what he can do. Jimmy right. Campbell that is, yeah. So Yeah, um, Nick Foles is a tradable asset. I don't really know. I guess you would test the market, see what you can do. I and you know their GM was it Roseman, Howie Roseman? Yes. Yeah. Good job. He, he's he's been wheeling and dealing, you know, the last couple of years. So if there is a market for him, he'll be sure to seek it out and see what he can get for him. Mm-hmm. Um. And you know, if you want to trade him, I I still think your best bet is to get a quarterback in the middle rounds to be your backup to Carson Wentz because, like you said. He's not going to start the year. Uh, so
1: – And I mean, if he does, he's not going to be – you 100%, know 100 percent, no. Not 100 percent. But it also might be a situation too where it could be a subtraction – addition by subtraction because what happens when Wentz comes back and the first incomplete pass you – know, Oh, well. All those assholes that were climbing up and down on poles are going to be starting the Foles campaign that we they want him.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean they're going to say that whether he's been traded or not.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: they're they're doomed to themselves for that. That's their own problem, right? And, right. You know, when you have a fan base like that, you can't be worrying about pleasing them. You just got to worry about winning, because they're gonna right. complain if you're thirteen and three, and you know you're losing the last game of the season. It, th- it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. That's to, to me as a GM, which <laughs> God help us, um, that that is my lowest concern is worrying about fans complaining for a quarterback controversy.
1: Well, I'm not even talking about the fans also. I'm talking about what goes on in the locker room. Oh, yeah, well. in mean, camps form very quickly. You know, are you a Foles guy? Or are you a Wentz guy? And don't think that just because he was the backup, he won a Super Bowl. That doesn't mean something.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. I don't know. At this point, the New York Giants are in such hell in terms of a roster that <laughs> –
1: yeah, this is a good segue because I, I, I was going to kind of frame the next question to be, you know, looking at the Giants right now, what do they have to do to kind of build a roster to compete with the Philly? Because again, we, as you mentioned earlier, there, this wasn't just a one and done team. You know, in the immediate and near term future, they're going to be the, you know, the um, the star of this division.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least it seems that way. Uh, you know, we're not really sure what the cog. You- there's uh some interest in the coaching staff among the league to take some guys away. We don't know what the the missing wheel might be. You know, it could be that, you know, poaching the right guy is just going to cripple the organization. You know, we don't know. It it could very well be like that. Um and if that's the case, New England is doomed cuz I don't know what they're going to do. Not that Matt Patricia is some you know.
1: Right. But we also said the same thing after uh, Charlie Weis and Romeo cremel left. We left the same thing after O'Brien left. I mean,
0: I'm not. I'm not saying that it's definite. I'm just saying we don't yeah. know what the it, it. It appears that Philly is going to be the star of the division, but they could fall apart next year just because of coaching staff poaches. You know, oh, it could be. It's
1: potential. I um, mean, I mean, I think this time last year we were kind of feeling kind of good ourselves about with a an 11 and five Giant team.
0: Yeah, and and, and that's kind of. I mean, normally this episode we wouldn't really give a shit about the Super Bowl except obviously, you know, Philadelphia was in it. This is a big deal for the division.
1: Um but hey, congrats Philly for finally being the fourth team in the division to actually yeah. win a super bowl. Welcome to the NFC East. Thanks, thanks, thanks for pulling your weight. <laughs> Which actually makes us the NFC East the first division to have all four teams win a Super Bowl. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's sort of a silly stat though. I mean the division's shuffled not that long ago. There wasn't that long ago. Arizona was in this division.
1: That's true, but think about it, though. There's no, only four cool. teams in a division. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. No, it's, it's... I mean, you
0: also think about the last 15 years, New England's been in how many Super Bowls. That's true. They've had a stranglehold on the AFC. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, normally normally we'd be going over the Giants season and you know seeing where we went right, where we went wrong, what little things needed to happen to... Go to the playoffs. Go to the Super Bowl. What little things went wrong that just derailed it? This season's just such a wash um, that it's not really worth going into. I mean, we can really just pinpoint right from the get go with Beckham's injury. And I know, I know that I know that Odell Beckham is not the only reason this team couldn't score points. But what I will say is, without Beckham, Week One nineteen to 3, week 2 24 to 10. Then he comes back, week 3 against Philly 27-24, which I believe was lost on a late field goal due to
1: a 6 a 61-yarder.
0: But that was that was the punt where Brad Wing with the face yep. mask penalty, right? I mean, That's correct. Right there and and if you look at the offensive numbers, they were pathetic week 1 and week 2. Week 3 was still pretty bad in terms of rush yardage and dedication to the run. If you remember the beginning of the year, there was that big thing where we were running less than 10 times per game. Right. Um, But once Beckham get back, got added back in, he averaged what was going to be a touchdown per game. Now, just to put that in perspective, and I said this on Twitter too, a touchdown per game would have given him obviously 16 touchdowns in the regular season. That would make him the lead league leader in receiving touchdowns. That's an important addition to the offense. Sure. You really can't understate it. And then, you know, again, week four loss at Tampa Bay, 25-23. Again, a stupid, stupid ending to that game. And then the Chargers game where he finally got hurt, 27-22. He had
1: two touchdowns in that game. Um, I mean, the, the 2017 season for the Giants, there was two ways the season – two ways you can define it being over. I mean, I think when – the when Beckham went down in that San Diego game, that was basically this season is lost. I think that Rams game is when we decided that this organization is lost. Yes, and the reset button it is. There's one thing to write off: this is just a bad year, and you know we'll move on next year. But I, I think after that Rams game, and that was such a disgrace. And you know it when the, the mayor's comment how embarrassed they are, where you know a, a half-empty stadium and a complete blowout with a no-show effort. You know then. There's gonna be, you know you can only say, you know, your patience is running low for so long before action has to be taken and and you know, we had the big blow out of the coaching staff and the general manager and everything. So Yeah,
0: I mean there's also one more and, and this is more um
1: symbolic than
0: anything, but the, the the third layer, that that final bit, was the benching of Eli against the Raiders. I mean that was just – and and, and it's not like a season-loss thing. It was sort of this symbolic thing of like this organization is in disarray. There is just miscommunication everywhere from the top down and it is – the upheaval has gone to the most stalwart part of this organization. Through general managers and head coaches and offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, Eli was the one with the streak of – you know, consecutive starts. Not, and I'm not talking like that even matters. It's just the point that he was he was the piece. He was the the queen on the chessboard. You know, and then this this is how bad the season has gotten. We're gonna sit him like.
1: Do you have, what the do you hell? Ever, when you're dating some girl or something, you always feel like there's a test. Like you know. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, follow me with this. And he's like, you know, hey, when she says, "Hey, go out with your boys and go watch the giant game or something." And it's really a test to just be like, you know, is that the right answer, yes or no? <laughs> I kind of feel like the Geno Smith thing was a test with the, uh, the mayor, and the Tishes with, uh, with McAdoo. Like, yeah, if you really feel the best interest is to have Eli sit and we can see what Geno Smith can do, go for it. And I think, you know, the wrong answer was applied. And I think that was the final straw to fire him.
0: Man, the more if, I if, kind of if, look if, back if, on that. If, if, if that's the case, I, I mean, A, Fuck that! I mean, put put yourself in the shoes of the test. Isn't that fucking ridiculous? Just it's say ridiculous. But, say.
1: but but think but think about no, the well, last couple of years. What I'm we also think... going to
0: say? B at week thirteen, they're giving him tests. He wasn't already gone at that point in their minds.
1: Mm, well, I mean, they did have a public. Remember, the mayors are, are a group that when they make a public statement, it's kind of like their word. And they just said like two weeks earlier that McAdoo, you know. He was not going to be fired before the end of the year. He was our guy for now. I know there was a caveat for now, but Mara's aren't the ones who put these statements with the loaded for now in there. So I really think that was kind of a test. Now, five years ago, would would Mara do that? No. I think there's been a little erraticness in our ownership in the last couple of years. Yeah, There's been been some questionable decisions and questionable things have gone on. They're like, is this still the giant way? So in that context, it might make a little more sense.
0: I'm beginning to think that John Mara inherited this team at a very high point and got used to winning and suddenly started slipping his hands where they didn't belong once the winning stopped.
1: Well, when did he take over? When did he take over for Wellington?
0: 2005. Okay, so... John Mara took over in 2005, so at that point, he already had Tom Coughlin and Jerry Reese um, mm-hmm. on the team. Eli Manning had already been drafted. Um, and while that 2004 year was horseshit, from 2005 on, Eli was
1: – We had that very – we have a very rollercoastery y type of feast or famine with our seasons. It was pl- Super Bowl or bust. Well so it's kind of a 2005 weird thing. Two
0: thousand five through two thousand eight were winning seasons.
1: Winning but with even in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well I mean that two thousand eight team may have been one and done, but they were dominant and you know, we all know the story with Plexico Burris. But the point is is that there was a winning right. team and they they, they yeah. viewed the Burris thing as a fluke thing that just fucking happened and just wrecked everything. Two thousand nine through two thousand eleven to, to and two thousand ten were garbage, and then two thousand eleven they win again. And then starts the real roller coaster of 2012, and on. And I think that's when, after like say like 2014, happened. Then mm-hmm. then you start seeing this. has been all right. Now we're going on our third losing year. Start putting our hands in there. And you know Jerry Reese had said uh, uh, allegedly this has been reported that Ben McAdoo was not his option. He was not the one that he wanted to be head coach. So that leaves only John Mara. Because I don't think Steve Tisch is making that call,
1: right? How about the uh, if history would have changed, where you know the Eagles wanted McAdoo as their head coach? Don't even go down that path, please. (laughs) (laughs) The Eagles would still be in uh, potential mediocrity, and who knows where we'd be right now? Look,
0: (laughs) if he was run out of New York, he'd be dead in Philadelphia.
1: Well, here is a little
0: floating down the. uh, Well, here is an anecdote for you.
1: December 26, 2016, I am driving from New York down to Florida. I'm heading through South Jersey, going over the Delaware Memorial Bridge, listening to WIP, listening to the outrage and the venom of the Eagle fan at Doug Peterson, how even the coaching, even the the hosts on WIP are like, this is a very good chance that this clown is a one and doneer. They didn't like his play calling. They thought he was too aggressive until he wasn't aggressive. They didn't think he'd be the guy who can develop Carson Wentz, blah 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 blah. So, <laughs> it's interesting how you can go from feast to famine to feast to famine.
0: I mean, Tom Coughlin sort of lived on that that
1: hot right, seat but this for one. a while. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm not but He didn't, compare he didn't start he, but yeah, but remember, you know, Coughlin had a track record. Coughlin, you know, Came in with some gravitas. Where this is a, a rookie coach, they look like complete shit last year. Had a rookie quarterback that makes everything look even, you know, more disjointed in the very beginning. So they can they can put their uh, Doug Peterson statue next to the Rocky statue in Philly. But <laughs> you know, 13 months ago, I heard a different story on on the sports leader down there. I'll give a plug for the That's the only thing that's good about Philly. So. You haven't had the Knicks. <laughs>
0: I, no, I haven't. But you know what? If I have to go there to get it, I'll pass. Um, yeah. So I mean, this season was a total loss right from the get-go. Beckham started the year off injured. Um, you know there were all sorts of problems in the locker room once things fell off the rails at zero and five. I mean, it was well, this, really the season, season was over at zero and five.
1: I feel like the season was in big trouble when. The the chief thing we were talking about getting into the offseason was how they could improve the offensive line and yeah. head scratchingly all they did was DJ Fluker. Yeah. Which I think he we didn't even both start. He didn't
0: even play until right. like week six or seven. And lo and even behold, when made, the running game happened.
1: But even with the signing, we never thought he was gonna be the, you know, insert into the starting lineup. We thought, okay, well he'll be, you know, he'll provide some depth. We never thought he was gonna be the man anywhere. So that was like kind of one of those, well, you know, that was what we thought was the biggest problem for the team was offensive line, and we really did nothing to address it. Why should we think this offensive line is going to be any better? Or this
0: team will be any better. Exactly. Yeah.
1: But we were were at 11-5 with some flaws, but still. All right. So like I said,
0: normally we would have went through this game by game. We know that the season was just a disaster, and we know when it happened. We can pinpoint that but you know this is how this offseason is going to go. Uh so next week we're going to kind of go through the state of the roster. So we're going to go over the offensive and defensive lines next week. And obviously anything that pops up such as a coach signing or whatever, we can either go over if we think it's minor or if it deserves its whole episode, it'll get its whole episode. You guys will get a bonus. How awesome yeah. is
1: that? And we'll cover things like looking at the roster, you know, how many years these guys left on their on their their contract. Yeah. Is it a tradable contract? Is, is it a cuttable contract? You know How much baggage and how much of a, a dead space will you we have on the cap after? So we'll look at all those type of things and
0: you know, yeah, see
1: where we go from there.
0: Uh, yeah, as I had said a couple times, uh, this is going to be a long and interesting offseason because of the complete turnover. So nobody is safe. No one, depending, not even depending on the, the contract. People are – they're going to move. Uh So yeah. – We're going to look at everything, and that's why we're breaking it down like this. So next week is going to be the O-line and D-line.
1: Yeah, one advantage that we do have this offseason, I think we do get extra OTA days and extra mini-camp days because we have a new coaching staff or a new head coach. So that is something that will be a benefit to this team because Lord knows they need it. Yeah, for sure.
0: In any case, be sure to follow us on Twitter um, for any uh, offensive coordinator hires, hopefully. Uh, I imagine that happens this week Um, but you can follow me at football underscore grump and you can follow the show at at just giants pod
1: and as always you can follow me at the cranky fan we will be discussing on my companion podcast mark and the cranky fan discussing national signing day this wednesday see where my florida gators rising like the phoenix that they are from the ashes of sec mediocrity take that first step with signing day on wednesday so get my thoughts on signing day and all things gators and giants
0: yeah and as always uh be sure to follow us and subscribe on itunes soundcloud download our episodes um and tell all your friends about it that's gonna do it for us this week let's go giants go
1: giants